Welcome to the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast with me, Christine Cohen. Every week, we will share conversations with humans whose lives have been transformed by the power of movement on their mental health, break down the latest neuroscience, and hopefully inspire you to wake up your inner warrior to fight for the best versions of you every single day. Let's get into today's episode. Hey, Warrior, and welcome back to another episode. Today's conversation is an incredible one that is packed with actionable ways to impact your anxiety, mood, and overall mental health. I'm chatting with Dr. Tim Jackson, who's going to share his personal story of being diagnosed with Lyme disease in his 20s and how that changed his perspective on exercise and movement for health beyond just the aesthetics of the body. He's also going to share his perspective as a functional medicine practitioner and biohacker in his own life, as well as for the lives of his patients. So a functional medicine practitioner is a medical professional who looks to discover and treat the root cause of someone's symptoms rather than just treat the symptoms themselves. So a metaphor, an example I like to describe for this is, imagine you walk into your kitchen and the floor is flooded, water all over the floor. So conventionally, a conventional doctor will name what's happening, there's flooding, they'll blame it, in this case, there's water on the floor, and they will treat the symptoms. So they'll mop up the water. In functional medicine, a practitioner will ask, what's causing the flooding? Where is the water coming from? They might discover the tap is on and running. Or in another case, they might discover there's a leak in a pipe. And in another case, maybe it's raining and there's a hole in the roof. After discovering the root cause, the functional medicine practitioner will provide a solution to heal that root cause. It shut the tap, replace the pipe, fix the hole in the roof, etc. Anxiety and depression are a diagnosis, but there are many root causes, and this differs person to person. What is a solution for one person may not be for another if their root causes are completely different. We're going to get into this more in today's episode, and I'm really excited for you to listen. Before we dive in, I wanted to invite you into a free feedback group that I'm creating for people struggling with any level of anxiety and depression. So whether you're just feeling low energy, have anxiety, and maybe have some mood shifts, to you're currently in therapy, and maybe you're on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications, I want to create this group for people who want to include more science-based natural methods into their life and empower themselves in their recovery. So I'm talking neuroscience research-based natural practices that address the physiological root causes of anxiety and depression, kind of like what I just spoke about with functional medicine practitioners. So what is a feedback group? So basically, in the group, I'm going to be sharing the concepts, the ideas, and the teachings of a new program I'm creating. And in exchange, you're open to sharing your feedback, your opinions, and your thoughts on how to make this program better, doable, more realistic, and support your needs. If you're interested in this free group, please send me an email now. You can send it to christine at christinecohen.com. Go in the show notes and you can see the spelling. And I will look forward to reading your email. Without further ado, here is today's episode with Dr. Tim Jackson. 
All right, Dr. Tim, thank you so much for being here and doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to our conversation. Me too. So the first question I want to ask you just to jump right in is what are some of your favorite ways to move your body and why? Yes. So um, I would say I think sprint walking, number one, Uh, I've always been a huge walker. You know, it's not very taxing on the body. Almost everyone can do it. And, and, you know, I try to walk a few miles a day, um, at least on the days I don't lift weights. And so I would say that and then, you know, playing with my nieces and, you know, neighbors, kids, because, you know, you're focused not even on moving, but, you know, engaging with the people and you're getting some play or exercise in. it's not structured, but it's still movement. And um, our bodies were meant to move a lot of systems in our body, especially the lymphatic system. Um, movement is necessary for it to function because it's not like the cardiovascular system where we're pumping blood throughout the body. So um, those are some of my uh, favorite ways to move. Um, Did you say sprint walking? Is that what, how you phrased it? Walking and sprinting. Okay, and walking so and sprinting. I didn't branch off too much into the sprinting, but yeah, putting my cleats on and, uh, you know, running 50 yard sprints. It's really hot and humid here in the South. So you have to do it really early in the morning or really late in the evening, but that's great for overall movement and also the hormonal benefits that you receive, such as the increases in growth hormone and testosterone that help your body. Oh, yeah. Are those some of your personal motivators to getting out and walking or sprinting or just playing? Or would you say it's something else? Walking, I would say, you know, I remember in my doctorate program, they showed us a graph and there was a linear correlation between the number of miles you walk per day and your lifespan. And so I try to get out and and walk uh, mostly for the mental health benefits. Any form of exercise should upregulate something called brain-derived neurotropic factor. And that's just a fancy molecule that helps our brain cells stay connected and grow stronger. And they grow more dendrites, which are more connections. And Like those leaves on a tree, right? They just kind of branch out and grow more and more leaves. Yeah. And so, you know, walking does that, sprinting does that even more, um, resistance training. Uh, I like to move my body in all three planes of motion. Uh, you know, most people like to lock themselves into machines, but I'm a cable stack and dumbbell kind of guy. You know, I believe you know, every, all of our joints are going to be slightly different, you know, if we dissected them down. And so when you have a free range of motion and all three planes of motion, then I think it gives you the best benefit. Oh, absolutely. Forward, back, side to side, turn it around, all of that. We're made to move, like you said, in such a well said way. So has it always been easy for you to get up and walk or get out and do and go for sprints or to resistance train? Like, has there ever been a time where there was a battle with your own mind um, or maybe even these days still where it's hard to get up, 
get out and get moving? And how did you work through that? So growing up, I grew up in a very rural area. There were no gyms. There's still no gym there. And so I remember, you know, as a child, my mom walking, you know, laps around this uh, circle we lived in. And sometimes I would go with her. And I did that. But I also played sports. So that kept me moving. But then um, I kind of stopped and focused on academics in high school. And I had uh, a weightlifting, you know, machine, but I didn't use it very much. I wasn't consistent with it. It wasn't until I was a freshman in college and I literally lived like a hundred yards from the gym that I said, you know, I really don't have an excuse not to go. And so I started going, you know, because it was close and I wanted to be healthy. And then I just started realizing all the benefits such as improved cognition, improved sleep, you know, improved physique, uh, endurance, all of those things. But when I had Lyme disease, and I don't know when I got it, but I was diagnosed with it or I tested positive for it back in 2011. So um, there, I had attributed the joint pain to lifting heavy weights. And so uh, when I got the positive test, I wasn't able to lift or move very much um, because of energy, not having enough energy, and also the joint pain. But as I progressed through the different layers of healing, I was able to move more. And, you know, I would say the walking, I started out with just walking um, back to the basics. So I went from, to give you an idea, when I was a senior in high school, when I graduated high school, I was 129 pounds. And then when I finished my freshman year of college, I was 185 pounds. Some of that was body fat from pizza and chocolate milk and beer, but mm-hmm. um, most of it was muscle. And so um, getting back to, uh, you know, because when you have Lyme, very stressful because it can be isolating, like so many uh, syndromes and health imbalances are, and a lot of people don't understand it. And so they kind of exit your life. But on a positive note, you learn who your true friends are. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, I mean, that's when a friend should show up the most is when you're having challenges and need help, not, uh, you know, you're only there for the good times. And so uh, I started back moving and I had a doctor tell me, you know, you'll never lift heavy weights again. Well, I'm stronger now than when I was 21. I know I only lift 24, but I'm actually a little older than I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. But uh, yeah, I mean, getting back, I mean, the mental health aspect, like I know I just feel calmer in my day-to-day interactions. I can tell, you know, uh, I'm in a more parasympathetic rest and digest state than if I don't walk. So like, you know, I lifted this morning for 45 minutes, but tonight I'll probably walk for another 45 and that is mostly because it keeps you calm. It grounds you. Calm and uh, I do some biggest nerve stimulation. Oh, um, love that. While I'm walking. So I have a little TENS unit. That I, what do you? On. Oh, yeah. Can you explain what vagus nerve stimulation is and how you um, activate it? Yeah. So your vagus nerve is called the wandering nerve. It's the largest nerve in the body. 
and it's responsible for most of your parasympathetic activity. And the parasympathetic part of your autonomic nervous system is the rest and digest, feed and breed portion of your nervous system. So, uh, you know, I tell my male patients, you can't have an erection while you're running from a tiger. And so if you're stressed out, you know, that's going to affect you and your sex life. But basically, the vagus nerve uh, is also responsible for the anti-inflammatory reflex. And so uh, most people don't know about that reflex, but, you know, it turns off, not completely turns off, but turns down too much or excess inflammation in the body. And uh, so activating that nerve, there are many ways to do it. You know, if you look online, I think there are 24 to 27 different activities, such as gargling, using a tongue depressor, cold face plunges, singing. The ones that I like, I actually have a helmet. It's a cryo helmet. I call it my Russian mailman helmet. Uh, and you put it on and it snaps underneath your chin and it gets cold. But doing that stimulates the vagus nerve. But you don't have to buy one of those. You can just get a bowl that's big enough to fit your head in. And fit, you want it to be between 37 and 45 degrees Fahrenheit. And dipping your face down into that. And so just get a bowl, ice, dunk dunk the head. Yep. Dunk. And, you know, you'll build up the amount of time you're able to hold your breath over time. Um, but it activates something called the diver's reflex or the dive reflex. And so, uh, what is that exactly? So that's basically uh, a series of reactions that happens in divers when they're not connected to an oxygen tank and they're, um, ascending, you know, from deep, uh, waters, the more shallow waters. And so, um, that reflex, you know, has to do with the cold water, but also holding your breath. And so when you do that, that's a a great way to activate the vagus nerve. Uh, alternatively, I don't have it on my desk, but a TENS unit, which, you know, the computer part of it's about that big. And most of the time, you know, when you hear TENS unit, you think the sticky pads that go on your arm or leg, but you can get ear clips that connect to the wires. And one goes onto this part of the left ear and the other goes onto this part of the left ear. And it's different settings than you would use for uh, neuromuscular reeducation type purpose. But uh, there's a branch called the Arnold branch, the vagus nerve that connects to the ear. So there's a lot of biohacking devices coming out now that are, you know, tapping into that resource. Uh, But you can get a TENS unit and the ear clips for $40. And so you can't really go wrong with that. And uh, you can do it. I mean, you build up to this, but uh, you can do it as much as an hour twice a day. Wow, that's a quite a long time. I was gonna say, how long do you do it for? Because I know some of those vagus nerve relaxation techniques, they really only take a few seconds where, until your autonomic nervous system kicks into parasympathetic. And usually the signs are when you sigh, swallow, or yawn. Um, is there anything else that kind of announces that you're in yeah. parasympathetic? Pooping. 
pooping. I so did not I, know that. I did not know that one. <laughs> so uh, almost every time after I use my unit, I have to go to the bathroom. And so, you know. That's super interesting because I wouldn't have guessed that since in sympathetic, you generally like, you know, your body just wants to release everything so that it can be ready to run, fight, whatever. Um, but but you're remember, saying- parasympathetic is the rest and digest. Mm-hmm. And so it improves blood flow to the entire mm. digestive tract. Okay. And that's so parasolysis also improves. And so there because it lowers inflammation, you'll also notice improved mood and a sense of inner peace. What I've found is that, you know, if someone, you can get stuck in a sympathetic state for a lot of reasons, stealth pathogens, viruses, dysbiosis in the gut. Um, financial stress, uh, relationship stress, doesn't matter how you got there. Perceived stress. Perceived stress, exactly. And so that's going to put you in a sympathetic dominant state. And the gargling and everything like that, they can serve as sort of icing on the cake type exercises. But I think the cold face plunges, the TENS units, those are probably the two most effective to move you into a more parasympathetic state. Thank you so much for sharing that. I have a TENS unit um, and I use it with the sticky pads for more muscular reasons, but um, I will definitely be looking for those clips and giving that a try. Thank you so much for sharing that. Sure. So I'd love to talk a little bit about what you do professionally. And why don't you just dive right in to what it is that you do and how you help people heal? Yes. Yeah, so uh, my doctorate's in physical rehabilitation, and I'm two classes away from taking my uh, board certification as a certified nutrition specialist. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And so I figured you'd appreciate that being an RD. So uh, what school are you doing that with? So the classes, uh, one class I'm doing Maryland University of Integrative Health. And I haven't registered for the other class yet. Very cool. Very interesting. um, Yeah. So, you know, I went to undergrad at Wake Forest in North Carolina and uh, I did very well academically, but, you know, I got into exercising and I got more interested in nutrition. And one of the residents sort of pulled me aside one day and he said, you can definitely do medical school academically, but I think you'll be very frustrated because you want be exposed to the information that you're looking for. So just get a ticket to play the game. You know, you can be a doctor of physical therapy, a doctor of chiropractic. Um, It doesn't matter. Uh, Just get a ticket to play the game. And so I work with uh, high performers or people who want to perform better by optimizing their physiology and increasing their energy. So I tell people, no matter what you want to do in life, whether it's run for a political office, be an artist, write books, try out for the Olympics, you've got to have optimal energy. All of those things require energy. And so uh, not to mention your relationships, you know, you've got to be fully present for your relationships to flourish. And so all that requires energy. And so I help people by addressing the various layers that could be causing their symptoms. And, you know, we don't wait for a problem to happen before we look at that system. So we look at the gut, we look at hormones, we look at toxicity, 
we look at neurotransmitters and we look at their environment, you know, because you can't out supplement a bad environment. Well said. Uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, think that uh, environment is only the physical structures around them, but it's also the people you surround yourself with. And all of that can have an effect and either be the root cause of symptoms or certainly exacerbate uh, yeah, malfunctioning exactly. stress response. So, I mean, I think, you know, every thought has a physiological consequence. And so if you're around people who don't support your goals or who are constantly nagging you, like, why are you working out? Why are you eating organic food? Why are you using the infrared sauna? That wears on you. At least it does for me. And so, you you know, you want to be around people who, uh, if they don't do it themselves, they at least support you doing it. Absolutely. And even on a deeper level, like they may not necessarily understand why you're doing all of these mechanisms that you're doing, but how often is the case, unfortunately, where you are doing things to get yourself better, get yourself to a better place mentally, physically, or just, you know, fulfill your dream for life. And the people surrounding you are fearful and put that fear, you know, on, on you, like, um, for some reason, if you're going to improve yourself and get healthier, then that's a reflection on them, or you're going to be leaving them or dot, dot, dot. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. How common is it for your patients to come to you with symptoms of mental illness or, you know, anything from anxiety, depression, et cetera? It's very common, you know, especially with what we just went through in the world. Like I have one patient who's a PhD level psychologist. And before the pandemic, she didn't have any depression or anxiety. And now she has, uh, I mean, it's gotten much better, but she still has some depression and anxiety that developed after the pandemic. And so a lot of times people may not even know that they're anxious or depressed because they're basing it on what they see in other people, but those people are also anxious and depressed. And so, you know, they're not really a good litmus test for uh, what's optimal and what's not. But, um, you know, in terms of people presenting with the primary complaint of anxiety and depression, there's so many things that can cause it, as you know, from issues with gut health to lack of movement, uh, poor sleep hygiene, uh, poor food quality, uh, you know, eating too late, not eating frequently enough things of that nature. And so, you know, we examine, you know, all the variables that could contribute from hormones to gut health and the microbiome to uh, mitochondrial health and energy production. So you just shared a ton of stuff and a lot of um, big words. And I would love for you to dive into that a little bit, especially for people listening, because I think it's a really clear now, but I think it's a really hard concept for people to wrap their head around the fact that anxiety and depression are not caused by one thing and there's not one treatment to help it. Can you go into the functional nutrition perspective of mental health and anxiety and depression specifically? 
Yeah. So our gut brain axis, you know, is a very important axis in the body. But for every uh, one signal that the brain sends to the gut, the gut sends eight signals to the brain. And, you know, to kind of tie things together, uh, if you have dysbiosis in the gut, a lot of pathogens in the gut, they can actually infect the vagus nerve, which impairs the function of it. And so um, most of your neurotransmitters are produced in the gut. And so that's one way that uh, it can lead to uh, mood uh, instability, depression, anxiety, insomnia, things of that nature. And, you know, there's a clear connection in the research now between gut issues and Alzheimer's, gut issues and Parkinson's. So uh, you can never go wrong by really starting with the gut. And some other ways that the gut can contribute to mood disorders are malabsorption. So if you're not absorbing your nutrients, you know, think about it, every nutrient except for oxygen has to be absorbed in the gut. And so if you have poor absorption, all of your cells from the cells in your big toe to the cells in the top of your head are going to be malnourished. And all it takes is a single nutrient deficiency to lead to at least decrease mental stability and, you know, mood lability, for lack of a better word. So you could be eating lots of nutrient-dense foods, plants, vegetables, animal proteins, all the things, and have poor gut health. And so you're not even getting the full benefit from those foods that you're consuming. And then that could somehow down the stream, like wreak havoc on your mental health, you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so let's take, for example, someone who's 31, who wants to make some positive lifestyle changes, starts to eat uh, mostly organic food. And, uh, you know, he or she doesn't feel a difference after two months. Well, you know, you've got to think about the, 30 plus years that came before where you weren't eating organically and that you could have picked up, you know, food poisoning or a gut pathogen, or you were on antibiotics. So you have an overgrowth of candida and a deficiency of lactobacillus or bifidobacteria. And so you got to work on the gut parameters from stomach acid levels to bile acid levels, to pancreatic enzyme levels. And uh, that's important because the pH is location dependent. It's just like real estate, location, location, location. So in the stomach, pH is around one to two. And then it increases as you move the small intestines and the large intestines. And if you have enough stomach acid, that triggers the production and release of bile salts. And bile is important for fat absorption and digestion, but also for overall detoxification. So um, any good sustainable detox program works on improving the production and flow of bile. And so, um, you know, that helps. And then a lot of times if you fix those two parameters, your body will start making enough digestive enzymes on its own. So I get, you know, some patients who are taking, you know, digestive enzymes and probiotics, but, you know, when we do a test, 
they're actually not efficient in those things. So interesting. And what about people that come to you and they don't have any digestive issues that they can really know of, right? That they really sense. I don't have stomach issues. I don't have X, Y, and Z things that they would normally relate to GI issues, but could they still have a problem with um, their gut health balance, even if they're not having direct symptoms? Yeah. I'm glad you asked that because a lot of people will come and, you know, they'll complain of brain fog, fatigue, insomnia. And then, you know, I tell them we need to do a, a gut test, microbiome test. And they say, oh, no, I don't have, you know, constipation or diarrhea or stomach pain, but you don't have to, um, in order to have gut problems. You know, if you have those symptoms and you certainly have gut issues, but you can have gut imbalances without having those symptoms. And so, you know, it can present as decreased energy, decreased uh, micronutrient levels on a spectrocell test or something like that, Um, decreased red blood cell magnesium. And so all of those uh, variables play a role. And it sounds like testing, uh, running the right tests is the primary place that you would start with somebody um, who comes into your office for the first time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there are some tests that pretty much everyone can benefit from, um, but I only do one test at a time usually because, you know, you can obviously only change so many variables at a time. Otherwise, you don't know what's working and what's not. And so um, I recommend in general an organic acids test to begin with because that gives us a window into your digestion, your neurotransmitters, um, any harmful bacterial metabolites, your B vitamin levels, antioxidant levels, amino acid levels, and uh, several other biomarkers like ammonia and coenzyme Q10 levels, things of that nature. And so, you know, by balancing those, then we can move from there to, you know, a microbiome test that tells us, you know, what pathogens you may have, what probiotics are you deficient in, and how well are you making stomach acid and bile salts and pancreatic enzymes. So you kind of take it one level at a time, always looking back more and more upstream to find what could be the root cause of these symptoms that this patient is walking into that are impacting their life and ultimately decreasing their experience of life. Yeah. So if someone um, has uh, excess estrogen, you know, it could be male or female, but being estrogen dominant, that could be a result of gut issues. So there's an enzyme called beta glucuronidase. And if it's elevated, it doesn't allow your body to excrete the estrogens through your stool it causes an accumulation of estrogens. And so, um, you know, I treated my friend's wife last year and she'd been on hormone replacement, but no one ever looked at her gut. And so she wasn't detoxing the estrogen she was given. So fascinating. The body is so connected um, and there are just so many incredible ways to heal, to heal them. Um, And it's amazing that functional medicine and people like you and practitioners such as yourself are um, having a louder voice and more people are 
open to hearing that. And uh, I think it's really allowing people to gain their quality of life back. Whereas even 10 years ago, when you really started and getting into the field, it must have been such a different landscape. You probably had to fight quite a bit more. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I ever need a prescription, you know, I have person ask their primary care physician, you know, in whatever region, the country or world they're located. And I would say it would be like 50-50 chance of getting it back then. Now it's more like 90-10 because people are more educated than ever. And, you know, if you don't work with them instead of just, you know, giving barking orders at them, then they're going to find another provider. So I know that a big part of what you love to do um, and your practice has to do with optimizing energy and mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell is the part where all of that really stems from. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what are mitochondria, why are they important, and how does that relate to us living our lives and feeling our best? Yeah. So, you know, in high school biology, we were taught that the mitochondria are the powerhouses of the cells or the batteries of our cells, and they produce ATP or energy. And they do that. But when you tell people they produce energy, they think of, you know, exercise or movement. But what they don't realize is that every process from me talking to you listening to thinking a thought to sleeping requires energy. Digestion is very energy dependent. Sleep is very energy dependent. And so it's kind of counting. It takes energy for us to sleep. Yeah, it sure does. And so, you know, when you start healing someone's mitochondria, it's, you would think it would keep them up at night, but it actually helps them sleep better and get into a deeper sleep. And so the brain and central nervous system has 9% of the body's mitochondria, but it consumes around 22 to 25% of the body's energy. And so the first place mitochondrial dysfunction shows up is in the central nervous system or brain. And that's usually in the form of brain fog, memory issues, mood swings, anxiety, insomnia, et cetera. And so the mitochondria are, um, you know, the systems that are most dense with mitochondria are the central nervous system, the heart, cardiovascular system, and the digestive system. So I tell people, if you want to think of um, pretty close to perfectly functioning mitochondria, think of an Olympic athlete at the top of their, you know, game profession. If you want to think of mitochondria that are very dysfunctional, think of someone who's in ICU with multi-organ failure. And, you know, the more organ systems, as a general rule, the more organ systems that are involved, the more you can assume the mitochondria are involved. So how do you start working with somebody to improve their mitochondrial function? Yeah, so some of the things are actually free and close to free. Uh, One is, you know, getting outside, getting morning sunshine and evening sunshine. And so, you know, everyone associates the sun with vitamin D and we do get that, but we also get photons and photons uh, help drive uh, ATP production in the mitochondria. And so, um, 
the retina in the eye is very mitochondrially dense. And so, you know, having sunlight stimulates the retina of the eye. Artificial blue light inside is actually harmful to mitochondria. And there are things you can do to protect that, like methylene blue, which if you Google that, don't let it freak you out. It's going to be used for cleaning fish tanks and aquariums, but uh, that's in a much different dose. Um, do blue so blocking glasses uh, prevent Blue blocking that glasses, level? yeah. Okay. At night, uh, especially. Also, mine broke. I need to get another pair. But the daytime blue blocking glasses, you know, because a lot of times people say their eyes get tired. And that's usually a symptom of looking at a screen too long. You know, our genes haven't caught up to us being on computers most of the day. And so our body hasn't adapted. And that's why we're suffering the consequences if we don't make a positive, proactive change. And so the blue blocker glasses, e blocking EMFs, so or what we call non-native EMFs. So the earth has a natural resonance called a Schumann resonance. And that's the principle behind earthing or grounding, walking barefoot is it essentially adds electrons to your body, decreases inflammation, but artificial EMFs or non-native EMFs such as Wi-Fi, 5G, they are very harmful to a lot of systems in the body. Uh, they basically flood the cells with calcium, which creates a molecule called peroxynitrite, which is very inflammatory. And uh, they can also, you know, interrupt sleep. And so um, turning off your Wi-Fi at night, if that's all you do to, you know, charging your cell phone outside of your room and spending more time outside, you know, even if you're not moving or exercising, just spending time outside. You know, uh, when I first started practicing, the stat that I remember reading was indoor air was approximately five times more polluted than outdoor air. Now it's closer to 10 times, depending on where you live. But, you know, so the EMS mitigation is another way to protect your mitochondria. And then one of my favorite ways, and I have a machine it does this, uh, but it creates molecular hydrogen water. And molecular hydrogen is a really small molecule that is small enough to get into the cell and then into the mitochondria. And it helps to heal the mitochondria that you have. And it stimulates the production of new mitochondria. And that's important because prior to uh, the molecular hydrogen, the only thing that we knew of was aerobic exercise would stimulate the production of new mitochondria. But molecular hydrogen, my machine generates the water. And it's also- like a, a filter attachment? A, not a regular water filter, but a specific- no, this is a separate. Um, okay. So I have a couple of water biohacking gadgets, but this is a separate machine, has a nasal cannula. It has goggles. So a quick story, the guy who invented the machine, he wore glasses, for 50 something years and it has goggles and you can connect the hose to the goggles. And I think he wore the goggles for an hour a day for every day for eight months. And now he no longer wears glasses. Wow. What's the name of it? So the name of the machine is an aqua cure. 
A-Q-U-A-C-U-R-E. And it's one of the cheaper ones on the market, but I like it because you get slightly different benefits from drinking the water than you do from breathing in through the nasal cannula. And so that's one way to um, improve your mitochondria, heal the mitochondria, and it decreases inflammation and oxidative stress. And then underneath my sink in the kitchen, I have a structured water device and that creates H3O2, which is what our cells use. And it helps with cell-to-cell communication and it helps uh, basically you absorb more of your nutrients from your food and from your supplement. And the best way I can think of to describe it, I just had mine installed, but it's wetter water, meaning that you need less (laughs) of it. Because most people, this comes as a surprise to most people, but if you just drink half your body weight in ounces of water per day without any electrolytes, you're going to flush out more minerals and electrolytes. And so the structured water doesn't do that. Very interesting. You are like biohack king over there. I'm going to have to ask you for some of these links to some of these things that you're using so I can check them out as well. Um, But what you said about water is so um, important for people to hear, especially now we're recording this. It's pretty much right at the beginning of summer. And I have so many people who talk to me saying, I drink so much water, but I never quench my thirst. And what is it like? What am I missing? Um, And it's generally that exact thing. Just uh, they need electrolytes. They need to hydrate um, with their minerals. Exactly. Exactly. Especially, you know, potassium and chloride, we don't generally get enough of. Absolutely. So just a couple more questions I have. I would love to pick your brain all day, but I do want to respect your time. So I'm curious, knowing what you know now, what can you share that might shorten the journey for somebody going through their own um, struggle right now? Yeah. So if you had to, you know, choose two healing devices, because, you know, you could easily spend, I had one patient who was spending over $2,000 a month on supplement, but invest. That's quite extreme, right? That's not the norm. Yeah. No, that's not the norm. But I I mean, most of the people I get spending seven to 800 a month easily. So a far infrared sauna or a full spectrum sauna, meaning it has the far infrared, the near infrared and the mid infrared, you know, that's I mean, more and more research is coming out benefits of that. Uh, I have a portable one. Now the portable ones are, they used to not be very good quality. Now that's not the case anymore. I think I paid 1200, 1400 for mine and it has red light therapy in it along with full spectrum wavelengths and it goes up to 170 degrees Fahrenheit. That helps on so many different levels in terms of increasing circulation, increasing heat shock proteins, detoxification, modulating the immune system, improving natural killer cell levels. And so having one of those is going to be a great return on investment. And then the second thing I would say is uh, structured, not a structured water device, but a molecular hydrogen device. And you know you can try the tablets first to see if they help you. you so it's like a tablet to... that you would drop into 
your you drop water into container. A, a water, but you got to make sure it's a container with a top because uh, otherwise it'll diffuse out into the air and the concentration will decrease. And so you want to so be able to close it up, take a sip, close it up, take a sip. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And you want to drink as much at one time as you can. So I try to drink uh, a large cup first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. And so, um, you know, even then I have it in my protein shaker bottle and I close the top and then I'll drink a third and close the top. But uh, those, so if you're working on the mitochondria through the sauna and through uh, the molecular hydrogen machine and you're moving your body, you know, 22 minutes a day at least, then I mean, no way you can't see at least moderate progress. You may have to add in some other things here and there, but those two things I would say are the best return on your investment that you can make. Excellent. Those are phenomenal recommendations um, and definitely something that can be more accessible to people. And it becomes part of the lifestyle. It just becomes part of your daily routine. And when you feel better, when it improves your quality of life, when you notice that you have more energy to do the things that you love, where you're not fatigued all day, where you can think and get creative and really your personality, like you're back to yourself, or maybe you you discover yourself for the first time because you're finally clear enough and feeling good enough to meet that person. It is priceless. It is just invaluable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your vast knowledge. This was amazing. Um, Where is the best place that people can find you online? Healyourbody.org. So it's HTTPS colon backslash backslash healyourbody.org. I assume you'll put it in the notes. Yep. I got you covered. um, Yeah. People want to message me. They can contact me through my website. Wonderful. And I know you're located in, you said South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Can you work with people elsewhere in the country? Yeah, I have. I mean, at the moment, I have people all over the US, but uh, I've had people from 14 different foreign countries, in addition to, I think, almost every state now, if not every state. So, virtually, obviously, is an option. Mm-hmm. Great. That's so good to know because oftentimes it's hard to find a practitioner who has the amount of specialty that you do uh, in the local area. So it's great to know that people can reach out to you um, no matter where they live. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you, Dr. Tim. It was a pleasure. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Dr. Tim Jackson. Here are a few takeaways. Number one. Getting out of a sympathetic or stressed state in the moment is possible for us to do using many different methods, especially stimulating the vagus nerve. The goal is to get into a parasympathetic state or rest and digest mode. I personally like to call this grounded mode. Number two, depression and anxiety have many physiological root causes that can be discovered through lab testing taking the time to get a full symptom and medical history, often a 90-minute initial appointment, and continuing to assess the patient. Number three, 
Gut health and mental health are directly connected, especially through the vagus nerve. Not all gut health issues look like gut health issues, though, and brain fog, fatigue, insomnia, anxiety, to name a few, can also be rooted in gut health issues. Number four, the importance of mitochondria function in how we feel every single day is paramount. We can have a direct impact on improving this in our daily lives in a variety of simple ways. All right, warrior. If you're interested in joining my free feedback group that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, and in exchange, learn some ways you might be able to discover and impact the root causes of your personal experience with anxiety and depression, especially on the physiological level, please send me an email to find out more information. You can find it in the show notes below or email me at christine at christinecohen.com. If you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast. This means so much and helps this information reach and impact more and more people. Thank you for listening to today's episode and see you next Monday for a new episode of the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast. Bye.